Nikki's story may feel familiar to many people and we were certainly cognizant that it can be a sensitive topic. The purpose of today's conversation was to kickstart the dialogue amongst athletes, practitioners, doctors and coaches in regards to athletic longevity and in particular fertility considerations for athletes. Nikki Butterfield has a long and impressive athletic history, starting triathlons back in 97 under the guidance of Jackie Fairweather. She was in good company, training with the likes of Annabelle Luxford, Miranda Carfrey and Emma Snowsill. During her athletic career, she described her training as simply flogging herself day in, day out. And during that time, female triathletes were dominating the sport and doing very well. And Nikki found that her strength was in cycling and decided to switch over to professional cycling in 2005. After being on the Oz team and missing Olympic selection, she was disheartened and, and devastated. Her husband, Tyler Butterfield, had always wanted to have kids, so Nikki shifted her focus from being an athlete to becoming a mum. But her journey wasn't a smooth one, and that's the story you're going to hear today. Nikki will share what she discovered led to her difficulty in maintaining a pregnancy. I should note, we did leave off the third reason during the podcast, and I've expanded on this as additional audio at the end of the podcast, so make sure you wait for that one. Both Nikki and I felt that this topic was very important to raise awareness for fertility and the menstrual cycle in athletes, especially in the formative years. So if this podcast simply starts a conversation for athletes of any age or any gender, then we have done our job for today. You've done all the right things. You've followed the program, but you're tired and the results are hard to come by. You know there has to be a better way. Perhaps you're struggling to put the puzzle pieces together from training, recovery, nutrition, gut health to hormone health and optimal wellness. Each season on Healing Grumpy Athletes podcast, your host, Katie Pettuccini from Holistic Endurance will help put the puzzle pieces together and ensure you can achieve and express your athletic potential holistically. Katie is a self-confessed hormone nerd, endurance coach, wellness advocate and triathlete here to educate, inspire, and distill wisdom in an effort to shift up endurance norms. Grab yourself an almond latte, a herbal tea, or perhaps a red wine to focus your mind and enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome back to Healing the Grumpy Athletes podcast. I have Nikki Butterfield with me, and we are going to have a pretty in-depth discussion that is also very unique, true to the podcast. Uh, so welcome to the show, Nikki, and um, I know this is a, a important topic for you but also pretty close to your heart so thank you for sharing thanks for having me and what we want to talk about today is that transition from being a pro athlete to a mother and everything that comes in between and for yourself there were some pretty massive complications throughout that process even though you have now three beautiful children right yes three yeah so talk us through that transition from pro-athletic life into motherhood and how that all went for you. Sure. So I've kind of done a little bit of everything. I did, um, I think it was maybe seven years of triathlon. That's what I was doing in my late teens and early 20s and mid-20s. Um, actually, I exaggerated a little. I stopped at 24 and then I went to cycling for four years. And then at that in that four years, I rode in Europe Um and then the last year that I was a cyclist, my husband Tyler, I went back to triathlon 
which um, after a couple of controversial selection things, I was a little, um, uh, I guess, disheartened by cycling's selection policy. So we decided to move to the US um, so that Tyler could be a triathlete. It's, at that time, there we didn't have many friends who were triathletes in Europe, which if we had a state in Girona, half of our friends are there now, so we would have been fine, but we didn't know that then. Um, so we came to Boulder and... Um, Tyler wanted me to come and do triathlon with him again and in my mind I hadn't done that for four years and I just wasn't going to be good and I was desperate for a baby um so I said no I'm not doing triathlon again um let's um have a baby and we can talk about it afterwards but I actually had two miscarriages um first and then our daughter Savannah then I raced triathlon for 18 months in that time is when I won Abu Dhabi and um, a couple of 70.3s when most people would think of me of racing with a baby. Um, then I wanted a second child. I had two miscarriages again. Then our son, Walker, who I actually um, went on fertility drugs for, and he was a twin, and I lost his twin. Then I raced briefly after Walker, and in that time I got a few podiums and everything, but not as good as when I raced after Savannah. Then I wanted our third child, once again, two miscarriages, and then we had Grace, but we have Grace, but I actually conceived Grace naturally. So Savannah was conceived naturally, Walker was with fertility drugs, and then Grace was conceived naturally, and then there's a whole um, list of stuff that I had to take once I was pregnant yeah. to help me um, maintain the pregnancy. So in total, I've been pregnant 10 times. That is, that is huge, and I mean, you just wrapped up an epic life journey in under a minute. Um, yeah. And I know it must, um, you know, it kind of rolls off your tongue pretty easily, but for those that are in a similar position or have tried or experienced miscarriage before will understand that that's no small feat um, while also managing, trying to fit in being an athlete and a professional career so when you had those initial miscarriages before savannah were there any indications as to why or, or what was going on or was the was the advice just to keep trying yeah they um the fertility advice here because all of my um i've been pregnant and all my babies have been born here in the u.s their general standard is they don't investigate unless you have three losses so i had two losses and then savannah so that they, they never investigated any of those. And then I had the two losses before Walker, and I said, hey, guys, I'm not going for this three-in-a-row thing. I need, like, I need oh, to work this out. It has to be three-in-a-row. And then that's when I demanded yeah. um, to see. Because at that point I'd had four losses in one child. And um, that's when I got all this testing done, and it was, like, $10,000 later. The medical system here is a lot different mm -hmm. to in Australia. Um, so if you don't have money, you don't really get the opportunity to test that kind of stuff. Not that we have a lot of money, but we were able to... You prioritised it, yeah. Yeah, we, we were able to find the cash to do that. Um, and that at that point, they found three things wrong with me. Um, I have a blood clotting disorder, which my mother also has. So at that point, both I was frustrated with myself that I hadn't met, thought to mention that or have that checked. Um, my mum actually has a protein C deficiency and then I have um, protein S deficiency. So the, like, the probability for her to have protein C and me not to have it 
and then me to have another different strain of a blood clotting disorder that is completely not related to protein C is just like the most remote. Wow. Um, so improbable. So I now, um, with all my pregnancies, am on any coagulants. I have to self-inject the whole pregnancy. Um, and that's kind of sounds horrific, but you kind of, you get used to it quickly. Mm. Um, so that was one problem was my blood clotting. So they thought I lost some of my babies because of blood clots and they just wouldn't have gotten enough blood at that point. The second thing was my ovarian reserve was very depleted. Um, both my number of eggs for my age, as well as the quality of my eggs, some of them were, um, like damaged and they, that's very highly correlated with extreme endurance sport. Um, so basically, um, I damaged my future babies by training as hard as I did. And not saying that endurance sport always does that, but the way that I trained, I just never really listened to my body. And that's part of, I mean, I was aware of my feelings. Of course, everybody is, but I, I love to work hard. I still, even now, um, I like if, yeah. If you, you work hard. Do, I, mm. I, I, yeah, you work hard. Like you're you, you're yeah. accompanying Tyler in his training at the moment, and I think it will always be <laughs> part of your life. So yeah, tell us more about. At the moment, it's easier to pump him at the moment. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us more about yeah. what the training looked like, and I guess that intensity or volume that your body was put through, and um, that might have contributed to this. Sure. Um, I think any endurance female athlete has to think about that at the start when they you know as a whatever age you begin for me that was 16 was when I started to um train properly and if I look back even further I first got a period as a 14 year old my my periods were perfectly regular I knew exactly when they would come um and then when I got to into triathlon um I never knew when my periods would come Mm -hmm. they would be very light um I could never predict anything so definitely this definitely sport changed me from perfectly regular to very irregular do you um, remember then, back then like how long it took once you started triathlon training for your period to become a regular and light um i haven't had a reg uh oh to, to change yeah when you started um, i don't know that i really paid that much attention but i'm just kind of stabbing in the dark within the first six months yeah that's pretty quick pretty okay. quickly yeah but saying that I also by choice I wasn't forced to do this I also jumped from um just kind of running from school through school so maybe I was running three days a week or something into 11 sessions I was training with Miles Browning um like Miranda for example was there we had this really cool little group of um Felicity Abram and um at that time Rebecca's Myerskoff we had these four girls who were just really motivated we all got along well we loved working hard and we had this coach who was, um, he had trained Loretta Harrop before. Um, so he was just super intense, but really knowledgeable and able to make, we all went on to do some pretty cool stuff. Um, but for, you know, a 16 through, I think I stayed with him till I was 21 or 22. That was, um, four years of, we were training at least 20 hours, probably 25 hours a week, really hard all the time on top of school. Um, Maybe for our bodies, Marinda, for example, has gone on and had no problems conceiving. So it's obviously something genetic as well. Um, but I'm sure that played into some of the things that we've experienced. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. everyone's got an individual story, and we're, we all have 
individual susceptibility to, um, you know, get sick more often or immunity issues, it's not just the fertility. And some people, yes, genetically have predisposition, not just with the ovarian reserve and, and the quality and the number, but um, we'll talk about it later. There's some genetic factors, there's gut health factors, you know. It's never going to be just one thing and um, it, it would have been hard to come up through the ranks and see other female athletes have no issues getting pregnant too. Well, you know, I was one of the first um, of my kind of group, peer group, who wanted or tried to have babies. So when I was trying to conceive Savannah, none of my friends were having babies, certainly not athlete friends. Um, and, I mean, now you look around, there's heaps of women who are having babies and then coming back racing or have been racing for a long time. It, I feel like the older generation or the generation previous to us, not they're necessarily old, but the women who are kind of in their 40s and 50s now who were part, who were triathletes or, um, you know, they would put, just keep racing until they were done and then they would either choose to have children or not. It wasn't like you would have a baby and come back or stop mm. racing because of it, or maybe they did, but the ones that I know of, um, they didn't really even start trying until they were 40 or something, and it was kind of either yes or no, they could or they couldn't. Whereas now the women now are, are saying, I want this baby and I'm going to race after or I'm going to see if I can or can't. And, you know, there's even stories of sponsors paying um, these women, these other athletes through their pregnancies and uh, it's just really changing. Yeah, look, um, I think that element is so positive because we have yeah, to facilitate sure. – uh, women being able to do that and put their health and fertility first. I mean, athletic ability can be built at any time, let's be honest, but building up fertility and repairing fertility isn't as easy as building athletic ability. And, yeah, yeah I think this conversation, you know, the main purpose for you and I was that we just really wanted to uh, increase that awareness of the importance starting from a young age that as a teen coming through elite ranks – that menstrual cycle regularity has to be first and foremost for lots of reasons, not just fertility. It's the uh, the susceptibility to osteoporosis and stress fractures and immunity issues later on. Did you have any immunity issues or other complications? Immunity, no, but at 18, my osteopenia, I already had osteopenia because mm. um, I was getting multiple strokes. So I think I had like five stress fractures in my tibia within two years no. I was on crutches all this different stuff um and so they obviously wanted to work out why that was happening and then um I haven't even had it retested in yeah. the last 10 years um I'm sure it's probably I guess you can't recover that um but I don't seem to get I haven't been getting stress fractures in any of my racing since baby so maybe that's somehow made me stronger or maybe I'm just not able to push myself into those kind of positions where I'm going to get injured just because I have a, you know, a regulator of wanting to get back to the babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Potentially. Stuff rather than just train all day. Yeah. Uh, wh- whatever the reason is, I haven't been getting stress fractures since I've been in my thirties. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, and with that intense training that you described of 20 hours, was there any discussion between the management team or coaches around your health, immunity, or menstrual cycle? So I was very privileged to be part of the AIS program, um, 
and so we would have I had like a dietitian um, Greg Cox who still works in triathlon and we had really good sports doctors but the problem was those guys were all in Canberra what was really happening on the ground was just the coaches and us and for me I always had male coaches um, and I just never brought it up with them and I don't know that they necessarily felt super comfortable bringing it up with me mm. um, nor, did the, nor did I want them to you know it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. like an uncomfortable subject for someone in their late teens and early 20s I agree um, and looking back I probably should have really sought out probably a female um, dietitian or therapist or doctor because even the guys who I was talking to certainly very knowledgeable and educated but I still didn't feel like I could say hey I get my period like you know for two weeks straight hardly anything and then I won't get anything for six months and Mm -hmm. the skinnier I am the less I get it or if I'm watching what I eat the less I get it is this a problem like you don't think of those kind of questions as a 18 year old or even a 24 year old maybe Um, sounds simple now right yeah exactly until you're starting to think about babies and then if someone had told me what I know now I would have asked that and I wouldn't have been shy but I didn't know that then but I think it's also very hard to connect with uh your fertility when you're 20 like to think that far ahead it's like oh that's not my problem you know like 15 years later or 10 years later but we do have to start considering it and look after it from a really young age and I do think at that age it's where parents come in and it's coaches and it's mentors come in to have these conversations and yes for some people it can be an awkward conversation and I hope that over time with um, people like yourself and other professional athletes and coaches speaking more about the link of menstrual cycle and athletic performance it does just become general conversation which makes it easier for young athletes to bring up um, exactly. And eventually maybe some coach education about how to talk about it, how it impacts and integrate those two. Uh, because, yeah, we've got like significant health of humans in our hands as coaches. Uh, I just don't think that can be ignored anymore. Or if you don't feel comfortable, either because you're a male or that's just not your thing, at least putting those young girls onto people who yes. do know about it Refer and are out. educated Absolutely. in it. And- yeah, you yeah. Know. That's it's the same as referring out to a physio for an injury exactly. or, or body maintenance. And you, know, you know what I didn't even know, and what I laugh at now, which I'm sure a lot of the girls don't know, or I think it's important for boys to understand this too. Um, one day, a lot of them will be fathers. Like these are important mm. conversations. Is that we are born with the number of eggs that we are going to have like from day one and everything we do in our entire life until we have our children impacts that egg health. So on the extreme circumstance, like people who take heroin, for example, they are affecting or alcohol, long-term alcoholism, Mm. all these different things. It doesn't necessarily mean that the baby's going to be affected, but your probability is so much higher that you're damaging your future children. The same applies to endurance sport. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be an endurance athlete. I'm just saying that you shouldn't be, completely ignoring everything about your physiology yeah no I 100% Um, agree and and I I'm not blaming anybody it was just as much me I wanted to be as good as I could be I did not care um if I was completely 
making my body exhausted any day of the week. That was the goal, you know. I wanted to be better. I wanted to get the best out of myself. I wanted to feel exhausted if I did and I wasn't doing my job well enough. Mm, God, um, I hope that perception it, it changes over time. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. Decide making these choices. Yeah. But if someone had a said to me, like, like I said, I didn't know that, I, I didn't even understand within my own female body that I had, my eggs are my eggs. I don't get any more. Mm. I can't regenerate them. I can't make them stronger or healthier. Everything that you do is affecting you longer term. Yes. And uh, th- I think an element that isn't covered there is, yes, the endurance pursuits um, may impact it if you're doing super high volume and high intensity, you're not balancing that with recovery to reduce inflammation or you're creating irregular cycles or amenorrhea. But it's also um, the gut health and gut microbiome, it deeply impacts fertility. And through intense exercise, that can be, yeah, that can be disrupted as well. So there's, uh, the good thing is that even though we're bringing this to awareness, it's not like, oh, stop triathlon and stop endurance. That is not the message. But it's just awareness that we need to step up and do a few things to look after ourselves along the way. Um, you know, not under eating, looking after gut health, as I I mentioned, biochemistry, regular lab tests as well. I feel that every athlete should be testing minimum yearly if they're professional much more frequently, uh, whether it's iron, uh, B12, electrolyte balance, zinc, copper, there's all these elements that will, one, play into someone's performance an ability to recover and energy, but also is a, like an early indicator for later down the track to have a baby or, you know, health in retirement, either or. Um, so, and yeah. You know, we get, I don't know about the average athletes, but from the, the, the way I was um, brought through the rings, I was getting regular blood tests. I just wasn't getting those specific things tested yes. for. I mean, I was getting my iron, actually. I can't say that that was ignored, but... Nothing specific for a hormone or my reproductive health. And it really wouldn't that be that hard for them to stretch those tests for those extra things. And, you know, there's a a huge range of of women who end up becoming mothers, you know, whether it's an accident or you 100% for sure knew you wanted kids right from when you were young or somewhere in between. But for the women that, um, hey, boo-boo, that know um, they want children, these things should be spoken about, you know. Um, and I could have told you as a young, young girl that I wanted kids. That was just 100% for sure for me. Um, yeah, it, I just, for those kind of women who really should be seeking out these these um, numbers, conversations, topics, what what's affecting me, what isn't affecting me. And, you know, looking back, I, like I said, I loved working hard, and I still even now do, and I don't regret, um, you know, pushing myself and trying to be my best. But two things that I would have done differently, knowing what I know now, I would still do the long, hard days. I would still make myself exhausted, but I wouldn't push myself or force myself to do it when I already am exhausted. You know, there's a difference doing a long, hard day that you finish really tired, that you started not feeling exhausted already it, I th- really think you're damaging your body longer term I'm not saying you never train tired that's um that will never happen uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but it's doing those days that are just pushing it uphill all day 
it just you just don't warm up. You're completely exhausted. You may be under eating a little bit or what whatever it is that's made you into this state that you're just completely depleted. I'm sure that those are the days that you're damaging yourself. Yeah. And then the second thing um, was I was always trying to – I never was um, at race weight just easily. Like I was always dieting. I never had any eating disorders or anything like that. But the practices that I used to get to race weight, I'm sure, weren't healthy. So, for example, um, it that's shown physiologically it's good to do maybe one three-hour ride a week without breakfast because it helps you build mitochondria right so that's great for um increasing red blood cells as well as um yeah just i haven't talked about this stuff for so long i'm fumbling through the terminology and you're juggling a three-year-old so you're fine (laughs) yeah um so great to do once a week but i would say wow i would lose so much weight when i do that i'm going to do that three times a week Mm. and i'd be completely exhausted completely depleted that's, those are the days I'm talking about that aren't, so just because something's good for a small amount, i.e. a three-hour session without breakfast or, you know, a six-hour ride where you're time-trialing the whole time and then you run <laughs> 10 miles hard off or 15, an hour hard off the bike, you know, those days that really tax you, What you know, the, the Saturday that an age grouper would typically do in, a, in an Ironman lead-up. Yeah. Once a week's great. Two, three times a week, not so good. Yeah, and it's also individual Uh, physiology as to what the person can handle. Like someone that's got a metabolism geared towards fat burning at rest could do faster training so long as once the hour or two hours hit, they were fueling and they had enough post-workout. But if that someone's got a metabolism geared towards carbohydrate and sugar burning, that fasted ride of three hours is going to be detrimental. So it's also understanding what's happening for the individual and tailoring that. Like, I just don't think, you know, uh, blanket guidelines can be used for, for athletes and we all need to treat ourselves as a bit of an experiment of N equals one and, and see what works for us. And, yeah, I'm just really glad that you're, one, you've offered to tell your story and raise that awareness and I'm sure we can spread the message wide and far because, um we don't want to see a next generation of athletes with even further hormonal complications or fertility issues because the, uh, I would say the population is heading that way anyway, let alone just athletes. So I think, you know, future generations are going to have to do a lot more to look after their health and longevity. Um, I spoke about the gut microbiome earlier. We pass down our gut microbiome from the mother So as generations go on, if that gut microbiome is impaired or there's an overgrowth or parasites, each generation gets a little bit weaker. And so hormone imbalance is highly uh, susceptible and immune issues and lots of complications. So in summary, if this is ringing true for anyone, um, obviously you can reach out to Nikki to hear more about her story and how she overcame everything and is back training and enjoying life again on the farm. Or if you want some resources from myself about what testing or who to see, then I'm, I'm absolutely happy to help. Nikki, what do you think? So you've got uh, Savannah, like let's say she was coming up through professional athletic ranks. What would you like to see done differently for her uh, to ensure her health and fertility long term? You know, if she's just um, like keeping fit and just... Um 
having fun with sport, that the first step would just be to go with the flow a little, you know, like when you're tired, rest, when you're feeling good, push. Just listening to your body, I think it's just very simple. It's not rocket science. If she went and wanted to be a professional athlete at, a, at an international level, then I would expect force, make sure, institute, I would do in the background if her coaches didn't some of this testing that you're talking about to make sure she's not damaging her body because I really believe you can be a great athlete without doing these things to yourself because you're not aware. I 100% agree, yes, 100%. Yeah, no, that's a good message to leave everyone on. Was there anything else um, that you, wisdom you'd like to impart on the listeners? If you are um, a, a female, a woman competing at the top level have your babies before um you uh just just at least have your minimum number (laughs) and then get started again it's actually pretty easy to race with kids and um be a good mom at the same time uh i my doctor told me that i was 40 when i was my um reproductive age when i was 28 and so that kind of um Got, got me scared totally <laughs> and I'm so thankful that I found that out instead of just racing to 40 and finding out that I couldn't have kids which yeah. is probably what would have happened um I'm so thankful that I got that information and that it's a really easy test to find that out on the third day of your period you go in for an ultrasound and a blood test and they can tell you what age your body is for like I mean just say you're 30 you could potentially be the age of a 20 year old you could potentially be the age of or of course a 30 year old too and once you have that information that knows it that helps you know if you're in a rush or not mm-hmm. um you know some women are much younger than their age and some are much older than their age and and that would help you plan your career yeah um, definitely if, and if just knowing that children. yeah there are lots of factors to fertility and people can do a lot from nutrition and stress management and healing gut health to improve their fertility chances with the ovarian reserve that they may have. Uh, so just know that that's not like um, the be all and end all. You know, there's lots <laughs> we to, can I do. To, I need to talk to you more, Katie. Yes, we do. That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, all right, brilliant. Tell listeners where they can find you on social media because you guys live on a pretty epic farm and uh, <laughs> share some really cool stories. Yeah, we, um, we've taken a little uh, side path that. We, we bought this farm with Tyler thinking that he was going to kind of phase out his career. He was getting a little stale and, um, you know, this was kind of our next thing. But then he's gone on and <laughs> done well the last, since we bought it. So now he's not retiring anytime soon. So um, we, we bought uh, at the Instagram is the Butterfield Family Farm. It has to have the the because there's another butterfield family farm that's not us um and when we bought it we were planning on doing all these different things like a boarding facility for horses and a petting farm and um you know all these different bits and pieces but now that tyler's continuing racing uh we're just putting everything on pause and giving our kids a like for example our daughter savannah she um did she went for a horse ride a motorbike ride and a bike ride within three hours that's so cool that's a great upbringing yeah she's just our kids are thriving here. Our little guy who's four walker, he just loves to run. He um, just runs loops around this place all day, every day. 
and then little Gracie thinks she's um, the boss of every animal here. She kind of just <laughs> um, pushes the goats around, and you know, she's she just feels like she owns the place. So that's brilliant. Um, Sounds a lot better yeah, than sitting on an iPad for most of the day, which yeah. a lot of kids are doing. And yeah, then, yeah, for sure. And then any kind of triathlon related stuff is um, the Instagram's just Butterfield Racing, and that's mostly Tyler, but I occasionally post from that account too. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I look forward to chatting more and exploring this topic even further and uh, look forward to hearing what everyone has to say. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nikki.